Hello and welcome to Art Time of the Month, December 2019. Yes. Let's put a button on it. Let's do it. Let's let's, get, get out of here. Let's close that decade. <laughs> it's technically already the next one. Happy New Year to you. Yes, Happy New Year. How are you doing? I'm good. You had good holidays? I did. Yay. New Year, do me. New Year, do you. Yes. I literally just got back from New York last night. I know. So I'll sound extra thick and trashy for you guys today. <laughs> and um, You have yeah. to wash the... Wash the wash. Long Island out of your hair. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of hard to shake, but um, we have much to cover in December. Yeah. So uh, shall we? Yeah. I feel like we should waste no time. No, let's keep going. Nary a second must be wasted. Forward. Asha so. Palante. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are getting into December of 2019. We finished the year with a bang. We're talking about the Kennedy Center Honors first mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um they honored earth wind and fire sally field linda ronstadt sesame street and michael tilson thomas so we're going to talk about that whole ceremony that went down um we're going to discuss the marvelous mrs Maisel live in front of a studio audience black mitzvah black mitzvah you uh, some trailers came out this month in the yeah. Heights trailer. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy hosted SNL. Oh, my God. With Lizzo. With Lizzo. Uh, that was insane. We're going to talk about our New Year's Eve programming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll get into some movies that we saw this month, namely Bombshell. Yep. <laughs> uh, Uncut, Uncut Gems, Marriage Story, I Saw Frozen 2. Um, we'll talk about... Cats. Yeah. I feel like we should hate watch cats together. <laughs> I think that's something we should. We'll, we'll talk about it, but we'll I, I definitely think We'll talk about it, but that. I think that we should. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about Little Women. We'll talk about a Star War. Yes. And uh, I'll talk to you a little bit about the theater that I saw in New York and what I saw on a plane. On a plane. So, friends, here we go. Let's do this. Let's, let's do it. The Kennedy Center Honors. <laughs> For those of you loyal sevens, you know that this is some of my favorite programming of the entire year because it is the night that the United States government shuts down to honor the arts. It doesn't shut down, but it pauses. Yeah, it pauses. (laughs) It pauses and stops to honor arts in our country. If Wendy had her way, the entire government would Would shut down. Would shut down (laughs) and honor the arts per John F. Kennedy's wishes. Um. And the cool thing about the Kennedy Center is that the Kennedy Center is not JFK's tribute. It is his memorial. Like, the building itself is not the memorial. The art that lives on those three stages and the grounds of the Kennedy Center is the living tribute to JFK, Mm -hmm. which is just the fucking best. Yeah. It is the best. I love that shit. It was one of the highlights of my trip to D.C. and It's one of my favorite buildings in the world. And and mainly because I was like, Wendy... <laughs> Wendy lives in these walls. Wendy you, Wendy's in the walls. Wendy's behind me. Can you hear him? <laughs> Can you hear the voice of John, of Jack? Yes. Echoing out from time. <laughs> yes. Yes, you can. Um, okay. So, the honors you watched? No. You didn't? I did not watch. Really? I did not watch. I mean, I did not watch live. I saw clips, but, okay. you know, I did not watch. Okay. I watched live. Uh huh. It was late. And yeah. I nodded off a little bit, but 
I then went back and like saw some clips. Okay. I'm going to just go ahead and make a blanket statement. Oh, no. Here we go. I was underwhelmed <gasps> uh, this year. Yeah. In years past, the Kennedy Center Honors is bananas emotional. It is exciting. It makes you care about people, artists that you didn't know about before. And this year, the only artist that I wasn't familiar with was Michael Tilson Thomas. Um, and I thought they actually did a really great job with his tribute. But the Sally Field tribute was mm-hmm. boring as fuck. Yeah. The Sesame Street tribute. They could have done so much more. <laughs> okay. The one tribute that I was kind of obsessed with was Linda Ronstadt's. Mm-hmm. Um, because Carrie Underwood opened in tore the fucking house down with When Will I Be Loved. Mm-hmm. And um, who else? Trisha Yearwood. Is that right? That sounds right. And who's the, Garth uh, Brooks' wife? It's Trisha Yearwood. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's her. So she opened with um, some of Linda Ronstadt's songs and hits and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really, really great to see her be honored, especially because this year her documentary had come out as well, The Sound of My Voice. And... The breadth of her career is really insane. I'll talk a little bit more about that later when I talk about her documentary. Um, but her tribute, I felt like, opened the ceremony and did it justice. It was really, really great. Mm-hmm. Then I believe they moved into Sally Field. And all they had was, like, people talking about her. They did, like, a few little, like, Morgan Freeman <laughs> narrated, clips. like, montages but that was it. It. Right? I know. They missed an opportunity there because Sally Field's uh, son, Sam Greisman, is like a, a, an insta-gay with thousands and thousands of followers. Like, they could have, they really should have turned I, it out. <laughs> they should have turned it out. And I feel like sometimes it's hard to honor actors who are yeah. only actors with mm-hmm. like a straight body of work, but they always find some way to kind of honor either their charitable service um, or through some kind of music or song connected with their movies or their art. And Sally Field just got a bunch of people on stage just talking about her. Tom Hanks had a kind of cute moment where he came out and he was like, hi, mama, mm-hmm. you know, and that was kind of a sweet little Forrest Gump tribute. Mm-hmm. But there was so much more I felt like they could have done. And what they kept doing that pissed me off was they kept focusing on the flying nun, which was like <laughs> the bullshit of her career yeah. that she had to kind of overcome to yeah. then move into serious work. Yeah. yeah. And... And they spent a lot of time focusing on her flying nun days. I have a feeling that whoever whoever uh, was the person who was like creatively directed this may not be back. I, yeah, who, I, that's yeah. I, I don't know, but I just feel like I felt like whoever put together yeah. the Sally Field package did not have much reverence for her work or know a lot of her work. Yeah, because it felt really apparent. It felt like they kind of just threw that together. They were probably just like, did you know she was a flying nun? Yeah. Oh, cool. So let's throw all the clips of that in there. And like a tiny little clip of Norma Ray. Yeah, exactly. Like the fuck y'all. There was nothing about her television work in there. Like Maura Tierney came out and talked a little bit about her work on ER, but there was nothing about her work on that show. Brothers and sisters. Yeah. There was nothing about brothers and sisters. Yeah. Nothing. And she won Emmys for that. Yeah. That was a groundbreaking show. It was. And 
really, there's so much more to her body of work that was really overlooked. Piss me the fuck off. Not cool. The mm. biggest thing, though, that really, really bothered me was what they did with Sesame Street. Or what they didn't do with Sesame Street. Because the stuff that they did do was, was okay. It was all right. Big Bird had a fun moment in the audience where he was trying to sit on Tom Hanks's lap. And mm-hmm. it was this cute little, like, I'm looking for thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks. And then T. Hanks. Got it. Yeah. And, like, and kept, like, trying to, like, sit on his lap and, like, move him out of, his, out of the way. This also kind of came on the, the day after Carol Spinney had died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was no mention of his passing either. So... And even though, like, the ceremony was recorded on the 8th, I think Spinney passed on the 9th. Yeah. And then... It was, it was like, the day after. It was, like, the day after. But then when it broadcast on the 15th, there should have been much more added to Spinney's body of work. That was a yeah. producing error. Like, producers really should have highlighted him in that package. Because for 50 years, he was a seminal voice in that program. Like, it's... Yeah. It was... That was poor producing. So, so I was pissed about that. Then, um, in terms of Joan Gans Cooney and um, Dr. Lloyd Morissette, who were the two people who got the ribbons who were being honored in the booth... Yeah. ...for, like, the founding of the show, there should have been more about them... Uh-huh. As the founders of this program and the empire that they built and how incredibly groundbreaking that was because television was not meant to be an educational tool before them. Yeah. They were the ones who created that, who started that idea that television could teach. And they did it because inner city kids were entering into preschool at a disadvantage because inner city kids were starting kindergarten without the benefit of preschool. So they wanted to give inner city kids access to numbers and letters so that when they entered kindergarten, they were entering on an even playing field. That alone was groundbreaking. Like nobody yeah. – and they – there should have been so much more kind of just honoring that, just the idea of – of what they did for an entire generation of education, let alone edutainment, you know? Yeah. Uh, then, so what they really did was they kind of like, you know, had a few celebrities on who like did a thing with a Muppet or two, blah, blah, blah. They should have highlighted. And if I had produced the Kennedy center honors, I'm just saying, wink, wink, nod, nod, listen up, listen up, listen up and take notes. Okay. They should have gone through the entire body of Sesame Street music. Oh, yeah. That would have been amazing. It would have been incredible. They should have done it with, like, a full orchestra. They should have done it with, like, video montage of, like, every song sung with the composers of that. Because the composers are just as important as Joan Gans Cooney and Lloyd Morissette. They should have honored Henson, Spinney, and Oz. Those three, like, barely got a mention in the video packaging. Again, I just felt like the packaging, whoever produced this, kind of didn't have the reverence for these artists that I wanted them to have. And it bothered me deeply, Josephine. (laughs) Deeply. I can tell. I'm super heated about it. (laughs) Really bad. I remember Uh, you were like, did you watch I Have Thoughts? And I'm like, oh, oh. I know. I had thoughts. I had thoughts. I was really underwhelmed. And I was expecting to not be. I was expecting to be like 
really, really invested in this this year, yeah. and I wasn't. It was a platform, you know, it's a platform on network television, mm-hmm. right? Because they, it, it's a platform to say thank you to something that was very important for a lot of people that they completely missed mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So, so yeah, I just feel like they, they there were so many missed opportunities mm-hmm. with the Kennedy Center Honors this year. Um, Michael Tilson Thomas, they they honored all of the musicians that he had worked with, um, and they had this beautiful orchestra. Audra McDonald sang. She did wonderful. Um, always, obviously. And then Earth, Wind, and Fire had, like, a good jam band session at the end, you know. But You must. As one does. But I was really... I just felt like Sally Field and Sesame Street... Got shafted a little bit. Got shafted. And... I also felt like they could have done more with Linda. They could have done more with Linda Ronstadt, too. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like they did more with Linda Ronstadt when she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Because then, like, Bonnie Raitt came out and uh, Cheryl Crow came out. And uh, and there were a few names there that overlapped, like Carrie Underwood and um, and Emmylou Harris had overlapped as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I don't know. Again, there should have been more fanfare. There should have been a lot more. I did appreciate that they honored her mariachi music. Yeah. Um, that was really special. And it's important. So, yeah. Especially, like, you know. Yes. But on the whole, again, just missed opportunities all around with the Kennedy Centers. Make sure to include this um, into your um, your producing package when you're submitting to produce the next Kennedy Center honors, okay? Thank you. I will. Because uh, I will. I'm just yeah. going to point out all their flaws. I was like, oh, I have thoughts on the last thing. That I you have did. several thoughts on what you could have done. This is and what you I would have done. Exactly. <laughs> I should have gotten the girls from Broad City to come out and do all of that with uh-huh. the, with, uh, um, with all the songs mm-hmm. or somebody, Lin Manuel, like somebody. Mm. 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 No. <laughs> <laughs> Made a face. No, not Lin. No. No, but of all of the artists who have been on Sesame Street throughout the years, all of them for 50 years, missed opportunities. Just so many missed. Uh, Anyway, let's move on. Let's do it. Let's move on. Let's talk about the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Your thoughts, Josephine? Oh, you know, a lot of people were telling me that it, I think you included, were saying that it, like, all kind of comes together in the last episode. Um, maybe I not I you. don't know that I just said that, but yeah. Somebody, there are people who were like, it's like, it's good, but, like, it, nothing really happens until the last episode. Oh, I didn't think so. And I was like, I don't think so. I don't uh. think that's correct. <laughs> I don't think that was a correct statement, uh, because I thought that there was a lot of really cool things that happened yeah. the entire time. That all kind of came to a head mm-hmm. in the last episode, and I do love how um, I do love how th- so far the trend is that like the last couple episodes are setting up things for the next seasons, mm-hmm. and they're doing really good jobs of that. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I thought it was another great season of television. Yeah, I did. I heard a little bit more aside from um, I heard a little bit more from people about like the still kind of whitewashed writing of Amy Sherman Palladino in that like with the storyline of Shy Baldwin, there should have mm-hmm. been much more controversial. There should have been much more 
uh, in that plot then about the mm-hmm. times and segregation and there should have been more of that built into that storyline. And yeah. they touched on it a very, very little bit um, because the show is about Mitch Maisel and not Shy Baldwin. So I, yeah. I understand that piece of it, but but well, it's she, an interesting lens to look through. Yeah, she gets a she gets a rap for that though. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. Um, I thought they had some really great cameos that were mm-hmm. that were a lot of fun. Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes at the very mm-hmm. end, like that was inspired. Yeah. Um, really good. Carrie Elways, <laughs> who was. Um, oh yeah. He, yeah. Oh. Yeah, and everything with Jane Lynch was just like, wow, they were really they, they gave her went there with they, it. Yeah. They gave her a lot to do because of her Emmy or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, um, I did. Yeah, it was all of that was really great. Yeah. Um, any fun moments for you? Carrie Elways is that how you say it? I That's it was, how I've always heard. I always thought it, it was Yules. Carrie Yules. I've always I've always heard it pronounced Elways. Huh. Either way, he's Wesley, and there you go. He's Princess Bride Wesley. Got it. Um, highlighted moments for me, again, the Shy Baldwin, um, I think the relationship between Midge and Shy, like their friendship was really powerful. Mm-hmm. I kind of loved the moments that they had together. Uh, On the boat? Mm-hmm. The, the night that she spent on the pseudo date. With Lenny Bruce? Yes. That was so hot. That was so hot. Wasn't here for it. Really? Mm-hmm. Why I, are you shake of heading at me? I didn't like. I didn't like that. Why? I didn't like because it, it was complete fan service. Like, yeah, they have the chemistry, but the the it thing, would have been if they did it. Nah, I I still thought that the whole thing was just like, okay, this is a little gratuitous. How much time they're spending in this beaut? Like, first of all, that club. Like, mm-hmm. I want to. I want that to be a real place, and I want to uh-huh. go there. But. You know, I everything everything with Lenny Bruce and how he was like pursuing her in that way and historically, yes, he did get his divorce, so mm-hmm. it's like, you know, okay, he's he's this free guy. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was unnecessary. Mm. I, I, I I and that's one thing like I just didn't I was like, mm. I was like, they better not. They better not. They better not. And then <laughs> I was here for every second of that. I was like, I, if they do, if they don't, I'm here for all of it. I don't care. Lenny Bruce is so fucking hot. Do it. Yeah. I don't give a shit. True. Hot. I don't know how I feel about, um, <laughs> I don't know how I feel Joel and the, and the Chinese gambling not den. Not at all. <laughs> Joel's plot lines were real weak this season. I felt like anytime Joel was on the screen, I was like, I was like, why? Um, and then I felt like all of a sudden he's dating this woman and like that connection wasn't real clear for me. Like when that happened, like all of a sudden mm-hmm. they danced together to a jukebox and in the next episode they're, they're dating. dating. Um, and so I felt like we jumped there. Um, so like kudos to Joel, get that interracial relationship going solid. Love it. But also like, when did that happen? And, and also Joel is just boring. Yeah. I felt like we're trying. I don't care about Archie and Imogene. I don't care about them at all. Like, just no more Archie and Imogene. (laughs) Like, do the kids even exist in that scene Uh, at all? (laughs) We don't. You know, the one thing I did say that I just, like, could not get enough of was... uh, The parents? Yes. Yes. Moish and Cheryl (laughs) in their house in Queens. Oh, my God. (laughs) Are houses like that in Queens? Yes. Like, where in Queens? Over okay. Queens is suburban. Okay, Queens is pretty suburban. It then it was, you know, it's 
it's gotten it was like it looked like Connecticut like <laughs> a lot of Queens a lot of Brooklyn looks like that too okay yeah it's pretty suburban okay yeah I am not I am not of Nova Yorka so you know well I'm <laughs> letting you know yes it is I was just Queens I, is a part of Long Island it's oh it's there yeah but I mean it's you know it's also part of the city it's one of the five boroughs so it's yeah. also like urban but a lot of it is very like residential neighborhood neighborhoody i i don't know how i feel about the rose backstory of her being like from obscene wealth like all of that stuff where she went to oklahoma oh it was very early on yes yeah 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 i forgot about that that was a powerful moment also a fun gilmore girls crossover Mm -hmm. um with her brother right uh-huh. The, yeah. The one who's the, the head of the family? Yep. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I... It's who? an interesting plot line because it... And it was necessary. I kind of loved seeing where she was from. I never saw her as, like, a country oaksy girl. So that oh, was, no. So that was kind of interesting. Well, but they I, edu- yeah, she educated at yeah. the Sorbonne and all that, yeah. So. Yeah. But I loved seeing her have her big feminist moment where she, like, grabbed the painting and was like, women aren't welcome here. Fuck this. Um, So that was kind of fun. And then, of course, that then, like, plunged her and her husband into, you know, the financial need for help, which then drove the rest of their plot line for the season. So, but... And her resentment at Midge for being like, it's you. It's you for yeah. making, making me think about my rights and standing up for myself. How dare exactly. you? How yeah. dare you? I was How fine being you? dark. I was I fine know. being I was in, fine the in the dark. How dare I get woke? How dare I? I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, it was really great. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. But like, mm-hmm. I, I, I do love this. I, I do love how like, it's her that gets herself into these in these situations. That's it. And I mean, without giving too, too much away, listeners, the joy, the complete joy of seeing Midge have, you know, the season ending with like this triumph at the Apollo, but knowing that she's like digging her grave as she's doing it is like, oh, you're saying so much. You're saying too much. Oh, you're going to get fired. Oh. Like, oh, yeah. Like, so seeing her, like, have this triumphant night at the Apollo and the next day lose it all is, like, oh, it was just brilliant. Yeah, because she knows, because, again, she's there to serve herself. Herself, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so good. So good. But also, like, the holy shit, like, white woman at the Apollo, is she going to do it? Or is yeah. the season going to end with this giant crushing, like, bomb of a night? Yeah. And when she, like, soars at the Apollo, like, you're just rooting for her. You're rooting and you're rooting for but her. You kn- but, like, you know when you're listening, if you yeah. listen to her, you know yeah. that, like, Ugh. Yeah, it's bad. So, anyway, it also, was, that's what was kind of, again, yeah. brilliant writing. Also, awesome. shout out to Sterling K. Brown. Yes. yes. Sterling K. Brown, who's up in everything this yeah. year. I feel like he should have made the top five, maybe. Sterling K.? Yeah, he had a year. He, he had some year. bops. He had a good year. Oh, shout out to Liza Weil coming back as the female bass player. Yes. Geller. All the Gilmore crossovers. <laughs> here for it. All of it. Love it. 
Um, all right, let's move on. I want to talk a little bit about live in front of a studio audience. Okay. This was one of my top fives of 2019, if you mm-hmm. listened, sevens, mm-hmm. to our um, our year in review recap. Um, I thought that this was one of the most like genius things that happened on television this year was Jimmy Kimmel paired with Norman Lear to recreate vintage television of 40 years ago. So they recreated an episode of all in the family. And then this time they did an episode of good times and not a single word was changed in the episode and they're incredibly timely and topical. So the episode of All in the Family dealt with war and draft dodging and not agreeing with our government politics and how Archie deals with that. And, like, it was just so timely and relevant. And, again, they deal with kind of some pretty racist language that they got away with in the 70s and that they can't do today on today's television. So no, no, no. they honored what the script was. They kept the language intact. They bleeped the words that, you know, are no longer appropriate to say on television. And um, and they did it. But, God, like such killer performances. Woody Harrelson and Marissa Tomei as Archie and Edith are fucking gold. They're just the best. No one else can do that. Yeah. Ever again. Ever. Um, Cuts of Good Times. Tiffany Haddish was on it. It was really great. Also, Jay Farrow played JJ with Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And we haven't seen Jay Farrow in a minute since he left SNL. Yeah. Or was fired from SNL. Um, left SNL. Kind of questionable exit from SNL. I feel like every time someone leaves SNL, they are being asked to leave. Yeah, it's like a (laughs) questionable exit, unless you're someone who's being honored and like a Kristen Wiig exit out where everyone dances with you. Yeah. But um, it was uh, like that was really great, too, especially because Jay Farrow was such a like honored uh, impressionist. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. was like there was no one else in his seasons that could do what he was doing. And then he was just gone. So, um, so yeah, so it was good to see him again, kind of in that, in that spot. Um, uh, Jamie Foxx's daughter was on it. Mm, Okay. Uh, and then that was about that episode was the episode about supporting old politicians who aren't getting anything done and the loyalty to neighborhood politics or young, fresh, new voices. Do we vote for someone new? Are we excited about a new politician? Uh, and there we saw Jamal Jerome from When They See Us. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that was kind of, you know, it was just, it's so timely and it's so brilliant to just pluck a script from 1970 and be like, this is still going to work today in 2020. Exactly, because history repeats itself, and art repeats itself. And do we repeat it, or do we honor it, you know? And that's, I think, kind of the genius of what this live in front of a studio audience has done. Yeah, there's still lessons to be learned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also the fact that Norman Lear is, you know, a million years old, and he's still there, and he's, like, loving this, and he's in his glory is, like, it's just the loveliest thing to see. It's so fun to Mm -hmm. see him honored like that and and to see everybody just coming through to support his his body of work like that. It's just really beautiful. It's fun. It's a fun night of television, and I'm here for it. I'm there. Yeah. Talk to me about Black Mitzvah. Oh, Black Mitzvah. <laughs> Barbara, Barbara Streisand congratulated Tiffany Haddish on her Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> so Tiffany Haddish, uh, when that got released, Tiffany Haddish did have her Bar Mitzvah. She sure did. 
Um, so Black Mitzvah is uh, Tiffany Haddish's new uh, Netflix comedy special, her 90 minutes of show. Um, and it was, I mean, I, I, kinda, I was like, is the, is the opening song anywhere? <laughs> is the opening song of Tiffany Haddish doing a mashup of Hava Nagila and uh, Lahayim <laughs> um, anywhere online? Um, but yeah, so she, she basically did this, you know, new, new, new material, new 90 minutes. Um, and just right off the bat, the, I think the most interesting thing that she talked about was what happened that on her new year's Eve show. And it's, it's really interesting because she is now this like larger than life media personality. Mm -hmm. And that was, I remember that being a huge deal when like you're starting the year and it's like, she wasn't ready. Yeah. She wasn't ready when your whole catchphrase is about being ready. Yeah. And you weren't. Yeah. And, you know, thousands of people showed up. And so she was really honest about that. Um, I also loved, like, I also love that they kept in, like, her changing her battery pack because mm. of all of that, all of that, like, patter and those jokes that were coming in when they were, with all those behind the scenes things that uh -huh. they probably would have taken out. Um, but you know, I thought it was a really cool choice to keep all that stuff in good. because of the things that she said. Cool. Um, and she had some really good moments. She had, like, she talked about, um, she talked, she, I was really concerned that it was just going to be a lot of repeats of things that she did in her, uh, last black unicorn, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like this one was definitely like played on like, you know, you know me, you've read the book, you've mm -hmm. seen the special. So these are the things that are true about me, but you know, these are the other things that are what's happening right now and and still capturing the like she's like this Hollywood outsider sort of still because of she's talking with she's like talking to Oprah and talking to, you know, Tina Knowles Lawson about mm -hmm. Beyonce and all of this and all these things and how she's still painting herself as someone who She's still kinda on the B list. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it was it, it was really good. I, I wanted more about her father, though. Mm. Like I, I feel like if you're going to call the whole thing your black mitzvah and talking about how your father is this like Eritrean Jew, mm -hmm. like there was I didn't get I didn't get a lot of that. And there I wasn't was, enough Jew for you. There was enough Jew for me. Got there it. can always be more Jew. Oh, um, and I wanted more of that. And, um, and what's interesting is that at the same, I think it was the same day or the next day, Netflix also released another comedy special called uh, Ronnie Chang, um, Asian Comedian Takes America. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, we're living in a really great, we're living in a really great time for stand-up comedy mm -hmm. with the with Netflix and the Netflix special because they're giving these 90-minute, you know, 90-minute spots to people who would have had to work for another 10 years to get something on Comedy Central, mm -hmm. um, if that. Yeah. So that was really interesting to see, like, to have, like, Black Mitzvah and then, like, shortly after that have Ronnie Chang mm -hmm. and then shortly after that have Michelle Wolf back again. Mm -hmm. So it was I, – I really enjoy what Netflix is doing with these specials and I want them to – I want them to continue doing it more. Cool. And I really hope that – they extend the, the love of 90 minutes to other people. That's great. And that was also like one of your, your top fives of 2019. Yes. Stand-up comedy. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. I'm glad you have your finger on the pulse of that for us. Yes. Huzzah. Would you like to talk about you? Yeah. Because <laughs> I know nothing about this. You, yeah. Okay. So, you is, this is the, this is the Netflix original series. Well, initially when you season one came out, 
um, it came out uh, on Lifetime as a as a weekly uh, a weekly a weekly release show on Lifetime, and then it was very unceremoniously canceled by Lifetime right before the end of the first season. Always. And things that are unceremoniously canceled are picked up by Netflix. Picked up by Netflix, and now it is, like, one of their more successful programs. And I have to say that it really does show that, like, nobody is watching live television anymore. No one cares. No one is. No one cares about that. They care about, like, having all of the crazy all at once. We don't want 20 episodes of something. I'll wait a whole year of nothing to have one solid weekend of binging. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 then you can go back and revisit it anytime you want. Yeah. So the point of the point of the show you is that and this is the very quick and dirty summary is that a man who um a man has an unhealthy obsession with a woman um and then basically kind of stalks her. Cute, um, real cute. Got and it. that was the that was season 1 and in season 2 he's running away from his past. And he ends up in, he was in New York, and now he ends up with a new name, new identity in Los Angeles. And the whole Los Angeles itself and and, and L.A. culture, quote unquote, modern L.A. culture, is its own character Mm -hmm. in you and his comment. It's almost worth it for his commentary on, like, certain things about, like, what it means to be a a modern Angelino. Mm -hmm. And, but there's all this other craziness about it. And again, it's one of those situations where it's like, if you were someone who has experienced like sexual or relationship violence and, and or stalking, um, maybe the show is not for you, but as, but like, it's interesting how they endear the audience to this main person who is awful. Like Mm -hmm. uh, the very, like committing all sorts of crimes but they endear us to him in a way that's just like, wow, he really could be any one of us. Mm-hmm. And then it also is a very – it'll make you want to take away all your social media. That's all I'm going to say mm. is that is this is this show. Mm. So um, I definitely hope that he gets a season three. I'm not sure. And don't get attached to any characters because everyone's up for grabs. I'm going to go ahead and let you know that I'm not going to see that ever. No, don't. Because my time is already limited, and that doesn't sound like something I would enjoy. Yeah. So I'm not going to go see it. Yeah. Okay, so there. Do you accept that about me? I I recommend you don't. Okay, word. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I have you. You watch the shit that I will not watch. See, you. Is, it's one of those shows where it's like if – if you've already started, I will love to talk to you about it, but I am not out there like telling people they should watch it. Got it. Um, On it. Or, you know, very specific people I may be telling, but I'm not out there telling people I watch. Because yeah. it's it's not a guilty pleasure for me because I definitely enjoy I enjoy the writing and I enjoy the the point of view and the voice of it, mm-hmm. but I'm also super highly aware of all of the things that it could potentially bring up for people. And the fact that it's like and the fact that it has, like, such this cult following in this, like, age of, like, a Me Too by people, <laughs> by, like, young people, it's really fascinating. That sounds a scotch, like, 13 Reasons Why. Sort of, yes. It, it's kind of along that same vein where it's, like, this show really shouldn't be a thing. It shouldn't be a but thing. But it's a thing. Yeah. 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 That's another thing that I will not watch, but kids were, like, really unhealthily mm-hmm. obsessed with. And, Yeah. 
No. Yeah, you should, you know, if they start talking about you, then, you know, call someone. <laughs> <laughs> call someone. Children hey, shouldn't be watching you. Good to know. Good to know. Um, let's talk about In the Heights, the trailer. In the Heights. <laughs> so this is going to be an important one in 2020. Um, in the Heights, as we know, was Lin-Manuel Miranda's first original Broadway show. Um, that was genius then. So everything he's come out with since everyone, like this is what made everyone pay attention to his work. Um, and, and now they finally long awaited, uh, got this movie made because ultimately it was going to be produced by the Weinstein company. (laughs) And then it kind of moved around. It switched hands from producer to producers, uh, for, for a good couple of years, and now it's finally getting made. It finally got made. Yeah. Uh, and Anthony Ramos is playing Usnavi. And there's a pretty killer cast in place. And they've updated the script, it seems. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for modern day to times. Yes, for today times. For the today times. Um, I do enjoy I do enjoy a Jimmy Smith's appear- appearance. Uh, listen, <laughs> Jimmy Smith can West Wing his <laughs> ass all over my face yes See, i just like i was like oh my mm. god i love jimmy smith because he's the same guy who nypd blue nypd blue he was in star wars jimmy smith he was in dexter mm. he was like yeah give me a give me a mm. jimmy smith's i'm here for you mr smith's let's talk about it maybe we'll feature you on our instagram page this <laughs> <laughs> He's in it for like he's in the trailer for like five seconds. Don't even care. Yeah. Don't even play. He, he he plays Kevin. Yes. Uh, in the movie, and I'm here for it. Oh, I'm here for I'm it. I'm gonna create like a little Instagram graphic of like Wendy's face and Jimmy Smith's face, like in a heart, and it'll be us in love together. Right? <laughs> it'll be really good. It'll be really good. <laughs> uh, so, so looking forward to yes to this movie for sure. When the trailer dropped, though, there was a lot of talk about it and a lot of buzz. Yeah, everyone was like, "Ooh, okay." And it, then and the, the trailer pe- is really emotional. Yeah, the trailer is really emotional. And then people were just like, like they were like, "Ooh, who's Anthony Ramos?" And I'm like, "Guys, we don't be sleeping on Anthony Ramos. He's like a musician and all Anthony this." Anthony Ramos stuff. was one of the founding cast members of Hamilton. Hamilton so yeah, and he he played Hootsnavi. Um, in a, uh, in a production, he played with Nami when they brought in the Heights to the Kennedy Center. Yes, okay. And they remounted it there, uh, so he has some experience with the role, um, but he was not in the original production on mm-hmm, Broadway. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm excited for Dasha Palanco from oh God. I love her so bad. Yeah, from uh, so Orange Is the New Black to mm-hmm. be you know one of the ladies in the salon. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, just the whole cast, killer, just killer. Yeah. The kid who plays Benny is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm forgetting his name right now, but I'm here for it. I'm, yeah. I'm ready to see it. And they've also, they talk a lot now about, or in the trailer, they're mentioning, you know, like the dreamer st- status and dreamer stories and, and staying and leaving. And so the idea of like going back home, the play was all about going back home, you know, for the want to go back home, but, um, you know, updating it today to you know, involve dreamer status and whether or yeah. not you're allowed to stay or you have to go back home, uh, could really take in the Heights to this new, this yes. new decade. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. In the Heights. Yeah. I'm here for it. I'm excited. Well, I, I say that because like, I, 
I saw In the Heights not knowing anything about it. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my, I was telling a friend, I was like, do you think that like, it's just going to be like In the Heights? And it was <laughs> like that, that little phrase that I just did. Like, <laughs> do you think they're just going to talk about the Heights a lot? Like In the Heights. <laughs> and then the show opens and it's like that. I'm like, holy shit, I'm a prophet. Yes. Um, or it yes, was very obvious. <laughs> you, in fact, are the next Lynn Manuel. Yeah, oh yes, goodness, Josephine. I also should not act anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's the tea of 2020. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I remember after they performed on the Tonys that year after the show came out, and like Lynn Manuel Miranda was still just this like kid. Like if you go back to YouTube that Tony performance, oh yeah, he looks he looks fresh. Yeah, he's teeny <laughs> tiny. Yeah, my sister and I got tickets to see it like right after that, and I saw it like that summer. Um, and that show was fire. Mm-hmm. That show was fire in New York, and I remember seeing it and thinking this show won't travel well. Like on tour, because I yeah. generally don't think that shows about New York do well outside of New York. And um, I don't think it toured super well. Um, but it has this following. And so I think that this movie format for this might mm-hmm. might do it really, really well. I think so, too. Plus, it, I mean, it's it doesn't have the, like, the artistic feel that, like... Any, like if you look at the Tony performance, if you look at you know those the B roll of it online anywhere, it doesn't have that kind of feel mm-hmm. um, of that particular moment. Mm-hmm. It has a modern like it's a very it feels very like these are like you could have just literally plucked any of these people from mm-hmm. Washington Heights. So yeah. I, I enjoy that about it. I'm just like oh it does it looks nothing like what I'm familiar with of the show, mm-hmm. and but I love that like. I love that about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weird. Um, Eddie Murphy returned to SNL. Yeah. This month. I mean, he did. It was pretty groundbreaking. He had, with the exception of making like a soft appearance on SNL's 40th anniversary mm-hmm. show. Um, and at the time, this is funny because all this press came out about this after the fact. For the 40th anniversary show, he was going to, like, someone wrote a sketch for him. I think Norm MacDonald wrote a sketch for him that he, Eddie Murphy, decided not to do. Because uh, he didn't want it to be anything, like, controversial or whatever. And he just really wanted it to be about, like, honoring the show. Yeah. So he came out made a very, very, like, PC, vanilla announcement and then that was it he was gone so there was no like eddie murphy performance that was this tiny little blip of him returning for the 40th anniversary show cuts to 45 season 45 and he hosted and he hosted his fucking ass off oh yeah he brought all of it back and it was pretty incredible did you see it i did and yeah it was what i expected what does that mean? It was <laughs> it was what I expected from Eddie Murphy. There were moments where I was like, okay, maybe it's like, okay, maybe we don't do this. <laughs> like Gumby. Um, <laughs> Gumby was fine, but like it's just one thing when like you come out as Gumby and you don't you like I know what you're doing with Gumby because I remember what you did with Gumby in like, you know, clips from his early mm-hmm. days and 
But I'm just like, uh, I don't know if it's going to translate. Mm-hmm. And um, Velvet Jones, I thought, fell flat for me. I mm-hmm. thought that there was a lot of there was a missed opportunity there mm-hmm. with uh, with Black Jeopardy and mm-hmm. Velvet Jones. I thought there was it kind of fell flat with me with um, uh, Buckwheat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was all stuff that I liked, but mm-hmm. I thought it was like, mm, they could have done a little bit more. I thought pre-update, pre all of the stuff pre-update was great. Mm-hmm. And and then some of the sketches post, but, like, those two were the ones that I was like, ah, you know. Josephine the judgy bitch. Yeah. Here I was for like, it. I was like, mm, no, I didn't. I wasn't. Wow. I was like, okay, that was that was funny, but it wasn't like, you know. let I wanted him to... It was good that we got this out of his system, uh-huh. and maybe when he hosts for the second year, uh-huh. he can like start saying stuff that's new. Mm-hmm. Because we, I, I was like, okay, I don't want, I don't personally want this to be like, you know, Gumby, damn it, and you know, all of these old characters that came back, which you know we had to because when who God knows when he's going to come back again. Um, the Mr. Robinson's neighborhood stuff I thought was really great. Yeah. Um, I like, I thought that was really great. Um, but like what I love too, is that I feel that Sam, Sam Jay, who is a comedian and a writer on SNL, who is one of, who's a black writer on SNL, black queer, uh, woman. And I felt like her voice was really there. This it was or was not was really there. The sketches like mm-hmm. they, I felt like it was just so there was that perspective um, throughout the entire thing, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that like they brought <laughs> they brought everyone out except Tracy Morgan. Like uh-huh. <laughs> there are no um, except uh, not Tracy Morgan, Tim Meadows, because <laughs> mm-hmm. and then talking about you know like how they're like basically Netflix's budget and. Mm-hmm. And having that moment of having those like five, like five black comedians mm-hmm. on that stage at the same time together, mm-hmm. um, his monologue I thought was really great. The digital short was good. They yeah. should have kept the eighty Bryant, the eighty well, Bryant stuff. I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, um, yeah. So let's talk about Lizzo on that episode. Yeah. So also, I was in New York mm-hmm. when this episode aired, mm-hmm. and. Um, my parents were um, were talking about the episode. I said, oh, and Lizzo's a musical guest. And they said, who's Lizzo? <gasps> exactly. Did you just clutch your pearls? You sure did. Well, I'm just in anticipation <gasps> of what you probably showed Who them. is Lizzo? Yeah. And I did, in fact, clutch my pearls and said, who is Lizzo? The entertainer of the year. Who is Lizzo? <laughs> my God. Oh my gosh. So anyway, they they watched. They now know who Lizzo is. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, trying to kill me, these parents. And so I could just see, yeah. you know, you know, Mike saying, <laughs> I'm a hundred percent that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in that, I wanted to see Lizzo incorporated into more of that the episode because yeah. like every now and then they throw a bone to the musical performers and they put them in a sketch or something and I was waiting to see that and then then the next day this brilliant digital short came out that didn't make the show and everyone was like the fuck like the coolest things that SNL has been putting out have been the cutting room floor stuff 
Yeah. That hasn't made it onto the episode, and that's the shit that's going viral. So A.D. Bryant had this brilliant yeah. sketch with Lizzo. And holy shit, what a missed moment. Again, it was really, really brilliant. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that was done because uh, it was cut for time, quote unquote. Cut for time. Because Eddie Murphy was not the centerpiece of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, granted, like, it's, his whole, it's all about his homecoming. And, uh-huh. and I thought it was a good homecoming, but, you know. Sometimes, but give Lizzo her damn yeah, moment. Give, she should have had yeah, her moment. She's gonna host next year. That's what's gonna happen. I feel like I, yeah. we need to just give her. Uh, we need to get her another album, and we need to get her to host next year. Predictions by Josephine. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Um. And you know, Ad Bryant has Shrill coming out next month too. Oh yeah, you you be. best believe. Um. Let's talk about New Year's Eve on Sienna. <laughs> With with Andy and Anderson. <laughs> Andy and Anderson. First of all, I learned that Andy Cohen is a big Grateful Dead fan. Did you know that? Um, no. I didn't either. That kind of makes sense, though. I had no idea. He at spends all. a lot of time with his shirt off. Like I had no idea. <laughs> no idea. He's a deadhead. I had no idea he was a deadhead. <laughs> That's like finding out that like Anderson Cooper loves Jimmy Buffett. Like he's a parrot head. <laughs> is that a thing? Is that real? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. But, um, I don't think Gloria would allow it. <laughs> I don't think so. GVB is not having it. But, no. um, yeah, it, I love the two of them, their relationship. I my <laughs> Come to find out my Aunt Denise is like a big Andy Cohen fan. <laughs> and she knows all hey, the Denise. tea. Aunt Denise knows all the tea about all of them. And she's like, she's like, oh, Andy Cohen said he would never date Anderson Cooper because even though he's gay, he's really boring. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds so appropriate. Does, that is correct. Does Antonise like watch what happened live? Ant- I found out that Antonise watches a, a few seasons of The Real Housewives. Ooh. And yes, she does watch Watch What Happens Live. Um, so, and she also said that she loves it when Anderson Cooper giggles. <laughs> when he gets on his giggle fest. Exactly. Um, and he sure did when Sherry O'Terry came on as Barbara Walters. Yeah. And that was a super fun moment. Um, furthermore, I love watching CNN on New Year's Eve because they, the two of them, Anderson and Andy, did shots every hour on the hour. Yeah. So by the time we get to midnight, they were just like. They're hammered. Faced. <laughs> they were just super faced, drunk, drunk. Um, Don Lemon was, I was gonna not say, was, so drunk. Was Don Lemon there? Did they I, tell him to chun it, to down it down? <laughs> I live for a drunk Don Lemon. We have discussed this. Um, in the past, Don Lemon has gotten so drunk that he had forgotten how to count. Where did they put him this year? This year he was in past years. He was in New Orleans. This year, I want to say he was like in Nashville or something. Okay. He was definitely off site. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> But I mean, a year's passed. Don Lemon has been so, so shit faced drunk yeah. that he couldn't count. Yeah. Backwards from 10. <laughs> that is your only job on New Year's, is to count backwards Here from 10. Here we go, 10. That's your only job 11. on New Year's. And, and he couldn't do it. So I live for drunk Don Lemon. Live. Um, and he wasn't so drunk. I feel like Anderson was the drunk one this year. And it was fun. They had some good moments. They're they're the good ones to yeah. watch. Um, I know Billy Porter on NBC was off site in New Orleans mm-hmm. with uh he did he was like with Ryan Seacrest in New York and he was in 
in New Orleans. So yeah, there was there were some good things going on on New Year's Eve. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, Kathy Griffin did get married. I heard on that. New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, let's shout out because shout out to Kathy. We know that Anderson was not invited. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that noise! Crazy. Yeah. Um, shall we move on to movies? Let's do it. Let's talk about the movies we saw in December. Okay. Um, now. I want to start by talking about Frozen 2. <laughs> um, Into the unknown. <laughs> correct. Yes. Uh, did you see it? No. But I heard a lot about how, like, why are they writing these high E? <laughs> why are they writing these high notes? Look at my face. <laughs> I need you to look at my face right now. Looking, looking, living, loving. Because... They write those high E's because they work in Frozen. Yeah. That's why they write that shit. But do they work for Adina? They don't work for Adina live. <laughs> but they work for Adina in the studio, sure. And I'm yeah. all here for Adina when she is an animated character. And I don't have to see her interviewed live. Cool. Yeah. Um, Frozen 2, I realized, came out at the end of November yeah. of 2019. But it's really a part of the December consciousness. I saw it in December <laughs> yeah. of 2019. I actually saw it on my birthday. Oh. On my 40th birthday. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, Into the unknown. You really resonated with that? <laughs> no, I was just like, you know, I was. it was my birthday. I was teaching all day. I say teaching loosely in quotes. <laughs> yes. And... I wasn't really doing much of anything, like, on that day. It was, like, later that weekend I was doing stuff. And um, and I was like, I think I want to see a movie today. And so I saw Frozen on my birthday with some friends. And it was beautiful. It is visually so stunning. And I feel like, you know, the whole world has seen it by now. If you're going to see Frozen, you will have seen it by now. Um Everyone was like, why do we need to make sequels and blah, blah, blah? It's like, well, the same could have argument could have been made for Toy Story 2, 3, and 4. Yeah. And those are brilliant. But Frozen 2 was gorgeous. Like some of the most insane water animation I'd ever seen. The music is really strong, especially when the music from Frozen itself yeah, was, was so iconic. Yeah. You're like, can Bobby and, and Kristen like one-up that? And they do. It's really catchy. Um, Kristoff has this amazing number that's filmed in the style of like an 80s Chicago like music video. It's brilliant. It's so good. Um, there were just some really, really strong music. A lot of it was really emotional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was Elsa searching for the root of her magic. And it was, oh, a lot of it was like, Hit me in feels. I felt my feelings. I love it. But it was good. Okay. And the music's really good. And if you see it for nothing else but for Kristoff's music video number. Okay. Get there. Okay. Get there. All right. Bet on it. It's good. Um, You watched Marriage Story. I did. And? I did watch Marriage Story. And? Um, How do you feel about marriage? um, I do not. I do not like it after (laughs) Marriage Story. Uh, I thought that... On a trailer, like, preview level, Uh I thought that they did a really good job keeping everything that was in the trailers for Marriage Story just within the first five minutes of, of like, 
of what's there because the trailers that I've seen for Marriage Story end with them like in a therapist's room looking like, okay, it's not going well. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where the whole film starts. And it was interesting because I felt that it was, I I know it's like loosely based on like Noah Baumbach's experience. Mm -hmm. So I feel I don't know anything about this. So marriage story is uh, basically the story of the unraveling of a marriage between um, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Adam Driver plays this uh, young theater director um, who's... And she's an actress, right? And she's an actress. Got and it. she's basically... I been, did know that much. He's been directing her um, mm. for years. And this is them. And right as his play is about to move to Broadway, they are starting their uncoupling. Mm. Um, and she's moving back to Los Angeles. She's from... Uh, to, to star in television. Got so it. She, and they have kids? And they have a kid, yes. Mm-hmm. And so the whole, the whole time it's, there's some really great moments. Laura Dern Mm -hmm. and Lorey Liotta as Mm -hmm. the lawyers are very great. (laughs) It's just. Laura Dern is great in everything. Laura Dern is amazing in everything. And like, you have to give a shout out to like Ray Liotta as this like, you know, like very like, like grizzled divorce attorney. Everything is a battle. Don't give anything up. uh, Lawyer. But like, it really. I thought like half the movie is told from one perspective and half the movie is told from another perspective, but it's not, um, but it's not directly from their perspectives. It's like you're, you know, you're, you're going through as the audience and like all of a sudden like, oh, you're seeing, you're experiencing mainly things through ScarJo and then mm-hmm. you're seeing things mainly through Adam Driver. And I feel like the people who I've talked to who have seen Marriage Story, I asked them, I'm like, who did you side with? Because it, I feel very much that like you, you can side with one person or the other because I, I think they do a good job of splitting it down the middle. Uh-huh. And like I was like, oh, I sided with her. Like I side with the ScarJo character a lot because I can see, I can see where, I can see where her perspective and her point of view. But at the same time, like Adam Driver, like he he does a really a really masterful performance of mm-hmm. just like being And they've both been nominated for Golden Globes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and there is a scene which you I really I will hope... probably see this today. Oh yeah. Disclaimer. Yeah. Today begins my annual screener weekend. Yes. With our friend Julie mm-hmm. of our artist spotting uh, episodes. So Julie's coming down this weekend and we're doing our whole weekend of screeners. And so I'm going to be probably reviewing that later today. Oh yeah. And there's this, the great scene of like where they have their big fight mm-hmm. at the end and it's it's interesting like it's it's also like there's some parts that are just super hilarious mm-hmm. and there are intricacies about like the divorce process uh-huh. especially in California that I did not know that I'm like oh that's oh I didn't need to know that I really don't want to know that now that's <laughs> better living yeah. in ignorance but yeah I thought it was really great and I think that um, ScarJo is really hitting it out of the park this year with yeah. her Jojo Rabbit performance and then now Marriage Story cool. and Adam Driver as well. I mean, we'll talk about the other Adam Driver yeah. vehicle in a minute. But. Yeah, we will. We will, we will. Um, we're going to – we have to talk about Cats. <laughs> now, neither of us – Do we? <laughs> we have to. Neither of us have seen Cats. I should – 
Should we watch it together this month, Mayhap? I think we should. I mean, if you and I decide to hate watch cats together. We'll have to do it, like, at a matinee for free. You know, for as minimal money as possible. Yeah. But I feel like an episode alone. (laughs) We could could, (laughs) feel like an episode of content alone on that, right? I feel like that would happen. Yes. Um, I have one friend who gave cats a good review. Really? Yes. I also have a friend who gave cats an okay review. Because... And I and my here's my thing with cats. Yeah. If you know anything about the musical, the musical itself is insane. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. It's people yeah. dancing around dressed as cats in yeah. terrible makeup, like yeah. or in you know beautiful makeup, but yeah. like. And now they've been digitized, and exactly. they look super creepy and weird. Exactly. Now they're mocapped, and yeah, there's so, like I'm, out of morbid curiosity, I kind of want to <laughs> see it. Yes, and and apparently we're like when we do go see it, we're going to see the like super edited version now. Well, now, so this is the thing: they release the movie, right? <laughs> Here's kind of this: the reason it's on our list this month is because Cats is released, and almost immediately thereafter, upon receiving its first god awful negative review, the studio announces that they're going to re-release Cats with updates with some kind of with new edits and new somethings the more special effects or something i don't know they're gonna make them more (laughs) cat-like yeah and i'm like you are spending more money on this dumpster fire you're calling more attention to the fact that it wasn't ready the first time flaming pile of crap and you're gonna spend more money on it uh, there's apparently there's apparently a scene with Idris Elba where you really want Idris Elba to put clothes on. I <laughs> really want to see Jason Derulo's giant dong in his cat costume, though they've probably digitally edited it exactly. out. Exactly, but like you know, that's just like they're gonna release like the un <laughs> the yeah. original first release DVD special, <laughs> whatever. They will. They totally will. Anyway. Instagram erased Jason Derulo's penis, and I am not here for that no. kind of censorship. Mm-mm. So I really hope that Katz honored his genitalia and kept it in. And apparently, you know, weeping, sobbing um, with J. Hud as uh, Chrisabella. Really? R- apparently, people are really moved by it. It's a, it's yeah. apparently it's a very good performance. Ugh. Well, we do know that this year in 2020, J. Hud is going to have her turn as Aretha. Aretha. In the Aretha biopic. And so I'm certain that, you know... That's going to be on the docket for nominations next year, I'm, I'm sure, um, as we approach next year's award season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should mention, as we're talking about movies, that the Golden Globes are tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so later this month, we're going to be releasing, uh, what did we say, like a Golden Globes and SAG? Golden Globes SAG Award. SAG Award episode. So we'll talk about yes the beginnings of award season, children. It'll be Globe SAG. Globe SAG. SAG Globe. SAG Globe. SAG Globe. We're living our lives. Sagging like Globes. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Uncut Gems. Yes, another Adina Menzel movie. Another Adina Menzel movie. This <laughs> proves my point. <laughs> I <laughs> Here's the thing. I watched one interview that she gave with Adam Sandler and I was like, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing though. In performance, she's good. She's good in this movie. I never need to hear her talk. Like, I never need to hear her interviewed. I never need to hear her sing live ever again. (laughs) Like, 
the days of her in Wicked are gone. She no longer has that kind of voice. You know, she has that voice for an animated feature wherein we don't have to see her singing anymore and we can take the time to like edit and post and re-record until it's right and all of that, right? But y'all, she was good in this movie. She was good. She had a very small part in this movie, but she plays Adam Sandler's wife who she's trying to, you know, the, the two of them are on the outs and I want to talk about Adam Sandler in this movie, though. He is getting a lot of buzz for his performance in this. Um, The movie itself was good, and I did not enjoy it. Mm, Okay. Much like uh, Fight Club, right? Great movie. I did not enjoy it. Okay. Uncut Gems was a lot of screaming, a lot of F-bombs, a lot of, like, angry aggression. There was a lot of sportsing happening in this movie. Yes. A lot of it was he's about a gambler, basketball right? and gambling. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Um, so, so much of this was about the hustle and gamble. Um, and it was all that kind of, like, frantic high-energy pace and go, 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 go. Um, that's all I'm going to say about it. Like... Adam Sandler, I don't think had any. I think I was more impressed with his his turn in um, Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. Like, right? That was yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I felt like that was very different for him, and that was really like quiet and emotional. And I feel like I've always known Adam Sandler to be like this loud, angry, screaming Jew, you know. And like that's what he was in this movie. Um, but, but. Also, mm-hmm. like, the stakes are really high throughout the entire, entire, entire movie. Mm. Uh, so it's it's that kind of So it moves like a thriller. See. It moves like a thriller, absolutely. And, you know, like, for them kind of keeping that pace throughout is impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> My favorite um, Adam Sandler is a serious actor film is Spanglish. Really? Yes. Good to know. We do know that you love a rom-com. I do love a rom-com. I never saw Spanglish. Yes. I never Adam saw Sandler. Because his, like, you know, his hair is just, like, really puffed out. Uh-huh. And, you know. Yeah. I do love a Paz Vega. Uh, we do love Paz Vega. Um, <laughs> Adina Menzel, though, was really great in Uncut Gems. She had, you know, she's this Long Island wife, which, you know, she knows very well. Yeah. And, you know, she's just trying to, like, handle her kids and, like, the giant Jewish families and, like, having the giant meals and all that. Like, all of that is very, like, I recognize this. I honor this. I feel this. I know this intimately. So, I mean, all of that is kind of very, it's done really well and very authentically and really, uh, like, she has this fun scene where she, like, like, all the girls in like her mother's bedroom or something are like laughing because she tried it on her old bar mitzvah dress, bar mitzvah dress. Mm -hmm. And like, she still fits into it. And so like, that was kind of like a fun, fun little thing. But, um, yeah, Mm. I don't know. Uncut gems is, is good. I see why it's getting like getting recognition. I did not enjoy it. I thought I probably will see it just because I need to see what the big deal is with Sandler. You, Yeah. Yes. I'm not saying anything about plot, but... I see is. Lakeith Stanfield is in it as well. Huh? Is Lakeith Stanfield in this? I thought I saw him in the trailer. Who's that? He's the... he's a, He was in Get Out. 
Yes. He yes. was um he was the, you know, he was the guy who says get out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. It's a lot. Okay. Uncut <laughs> Gems is a lot. You have to have like the energy to see it. Okay. I remember like 10 minutes into it my dad turned to me and was like, "I hate this." <laughs> And I was like, I know, but I, me too. I, something but about, I don't we're like this. Now. I'm not enjoying this, but we're in it now. And so, I need to see what happens. I know. And I'm glad that I stayed to see what happened because something like things happen. Because it's, it's a true story like, too, right? Uh, I, th- of... I think it, I don't know exactly how true, but I know that the, the two directors wrote this movie about their the fathers. Brothers, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the brothers wrote this about mm-hmm. their father's experience. So I don't know how much of it is is ultimately true, but okay. But I think it's loosely based. Maybe I don't know. Okay. That could be bullshit. Anyway, um, let's talk about Bombshell. All right. Okay. Oh gosh. Charlize Theron does not win shit for this. Yes. I mean, Megyn Kelly is such a difficult person to like or feel anything for. Mm-hmm. You don't want to empathize for her, but goddamn, Charlize Theron. She really, she did a really good job. I mean, also, and could, can we talk about the makeup in that movie? Yeah. If this movie will win the Oscar for makeup, if that's <laughs> better. Over Cats. <laughs> well, Cats was all mocap, so. It was, better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, and even, like, John Lithgow's Roger Ailes. Like. Yeah. So much happening there. I feel like he could have just, like, walked off of the. The crown set as Churchill and a little bit, straight to a little bit, a little bit different nose, but yes, yes, a little bit, yeah, jowls, yep, it's very jowly, yep, different nose, different voice, but yes, yeah, um, oh, yeah, it was very good. It was very I, good. I, I do enjoy that. Like Nicole Kidman is getting the Octavia Spencer in Shape of Water treatment right now, yeah. <laughs> where she's like in it. Sort of. <laughs> uh huh. What is it? I, I heard someone on a podcast say it's a lot of Nicole. It's like, is Nicole Kidman getting nominated for saying things? Liza. In, 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 like, <laughs> for saying things in sweatpants, you know, because yes. she's just she's just at her kitchen window in sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of Eliza. It's a lot of Eliza <laughs> acting. <laughs> I was really here for Nicole Kidman's like giant teased bob. Yes. The whole time that I really just wanted to like a very aggressive out. mouth. Like, <laughs> very aggressive mouth. Yeah. Which I'm like, Gretchen Carlson doesn't have that aggressive. I had to look her up because I was like, I really don't know what she looks like. Yeah. She doesn't have that aggressive mouth. She has a beauty queen mouth. Yeah. And I just love that, like, I don't know what it is that they did. But to make her different enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Charlize Theron's transformation to Megyn Kelly in voice, in mannerisms, in everything was, like, so spot on. It's crazy. Yeah. I also I appreciate that they they put really put a spotlight on the debate yeah. on that mm-hmm. first Republican debate that she moderated that I didn't realize like how that basically followed her for like a full year until she then yeah. interviewed him. I completely forgot about the the period stuff. I did not. That's what I knew of it. Yeah. But I didn't realize that that had come after the debates and mm-hmm. that that was like then him attacking a reporter for basically like the first time, uh, specifically, you know, a female reporter. The interesting thing there was 
And it was this tiny little moment of like when she had the stomach virus before yeah. the first debate. Uh-huh. And how Roger Ailes said, yeah, we got word that he knew your first question was going to be tough. And she raises an eyebrow to the like, are you telling me that's like a presidential candidate poisoned me? Yeah. You know, like that could have happened. Um, Because, I mean, now we know that like, yeah, that could have happened. Yeah, that could have happened. Yeah. Now we wouldn't put it past him. But then Mm -hmm. those were scary times. Those were like, no, it couldn't happen times. And then it happened. So, like, kind of having that hindsight of, like, uh, we knowing where we are now and knowing that this is where it started, rooted yeah. in that kind of crazy aggression. Mm-mm. And I really love, I love those parallels of, like, covering the election, covering yeah. the Republican National, from the debate, the Republican National Convention, like, covering all of these things and have that running side by side with all of the internal thing that's, all of the internal politics that's happening um, at Fox mm-hmm. and like, and I, and I, it kind of gave me, it kind of gave me like the big short a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. A little yeah. bit of the big short. Definitely. And it was a little tongue in cheek about things, but it hit where it needed to hit. Uh-huh. And, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised Margot Robbie's not getting, um, not getting, didn't get any golden globes love for this. Uh-huh. Um, because her scene outside of the restaurant when yeah. she talks to Kate McKinnon is very good. Yeah. Um, I forgot that Kate McKinnon was in this. Yeah. yeah. And, and Kate McKinnon's also really good in this. Really good. Yeah. Uh, Every get, performance was really, really great. So many cameos in this, too. So many cameos. Um, I will say, I did see it with a friend, and he said that, like, every single one of those, like, Geraldo or Hannity or Janine Pirro, like, those people showed up. Um, when they have, um, uh, oh God, what's his name as uh, Giuliani and then uh-huh. Alice and Janney as Ailes's attorney, uh-huh. like all of those little bit parts where are kind of took him out of it for a minute. A little bit. Giuliani took me out of it. Oh yeah. Majorly. Especially like to have him, <laughs> to yeah. have that act, like this very well-known face voice actor play Giuliani was yeah. just, no- and to also remind people that like. Yeah, Giuliani is connected to that. <laughs> yeah, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Giuliani is connected to everything. Yeah. Ugh, all that bullshit. Yeah. Murd- the, <laughs> the Murdoch stuff was yeah. all really great. But mm-hmm. I, 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 it's interesting because people are – there are people who are like, I'm not going to see this because it is like a Fox thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's important to see because we – it's important to see because I kind of had I, t- full yeah. disclosure. I kind of had that attitude going mm-hmm. into it. I was like, "Do I need to see a movie about Fox News? Mm-hmm. Do I want to feed the machine?" And then I'm glad I saw it. Yeah, I, I think it's just like you know, pe- people do not deserve to be treated that way, no matter Period. where they are. Of course, but I felt like it was a good. I loved all the stuff, but with um with Margot Robbie's character where she's basically saying that like, I am new and young and fresh and Megan is this old establishment person and that's what she represents. And, and then kind of having that play out also towards the end between them was really great because she really does like, she's like hates being, she doesn't consider herself a feminist. She is this very conservative person, but she also has these very, but to that point, she has also these very strong values and ethics also because she's a litigator. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to kind of see that progression and yeah. that movement. And, and 
and yeah, and I thought that was like this was a good way to tell this story that like I think will reach people who will go see it yeah. because it's Fox News. Uh-huh. And I thought that was masterful in that sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It was a really good movie. Um it was a really good movie. Somebody I spoke to said, like, eh, I don't need to see a story about, like, white people being oppressed. And I'm like, true. Mm-hmm. And also, it's it's a story of taking down, a like, a giant. Yeah. A white giant <laughs> who's yeah. at the top of an evil, evil corporation, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was super whitewashed because it is Fox News. Yeah, and there exactly. You go, and that's kind of the whole point of it. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Little Women has been getting some crazy good buzz. Yes. Uh, go ahead, Greta Gerwig. Neither of us have seen it yet, but no. it's absolutely on my list. We're going yeah. to see it. Yes. Apparently, Timothy Chalamet was called the Prince of Twinks. Really? Yes. There was a, a reporter from Out Magazine was doing a junket and said to Timothy Chalamet, said, you know, how does it feel to be the straight Prince of Twinks? And straight Prince of Twinks. <laughs> and apparently he is, uh, he is honored by that. Oh, is he? he? So he's owning that title? He's owning it. I mean, yeah. I mean, he Why is not? the straight Prince of Twinks, but, you know. Own it. Own Do it. it. Good. On the list. All right. Um, I'm excited to see that, though, truly. I'm really looking forward to it. Let's talk about a Star War. A Star War. A Star War. Tell me about it. I will say this about Star Wars, and that'll be it. Mm-hmm. If you went into Star Wars wanting, looking for things to tear down, you were never going to like it. Okay. Everyone who I've talked to who is like a very, like a true, this like a very hardcore fan loves it because okay. they wrapped up they wrapped it up as best that they could and they sold and they set things up for like you know for us to be doing star wars stuff for the for till the end of time okay so let me ask you this this movie mm-hmm. star wars rise of skywalker yes was episode nine episode nine so this mm-hmm. was like the 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 button on it. This is the third in the in. This is the, in the third in, trilogy. Exactly. So there's like the, the three or, prequels. The three prequels. The, the three, three originals. And then these are the three posts. Boom, boom, boom. What were the three posts? So I feel like I missed the three posts were Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Uh huh. Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Uh huh. Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. Okay, I have not seen those three. No. Yes. In truth, have I told you my Star Wars? No. Story? Oh. I haven't. What is this? <laughs> so I just assumed that this was like not <laughs> that this was not in my wheelhouse. You would be correct. This yes. is not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> Here's why. My whole life I had never grown up seeing a Star War. Mm-hmm. And then episode one came out. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> Controversial. Exactly. Yes. I saw episode one in the movie theater because it was, I was home for the holidays or something and everybody was going to the movies that night. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll see episode one. Why not? So I saw episode one. And then when the next movie came out, episode two, I saw episode two in the theaters. <laughs> and then I saw episode three in the theaters and you are rolling your eyes at me, Josephine, <laughs> like every other fucking Star Wars fan ever. But I was like, <laughs> now it was, now it was like a point of contention with me. I was like, I'm going to see them in order. In the in, in the, the narrative episode order in, in the, the narrative, narrative release, order. yes. <laughs> so I saw episode one, two, and three. Then I borrowed the original three Star Wars from uh-huh. my friends or whatever, mm-hmm. and I watched episode four, five, and six, the original trilogy. <laughs> and I have not seen the follow-ups. 
But everyone was like, you're doing it wrong. And I was like, why am I doing it wrong if I started with episode one and I ended with episode six? How is that wrong? (laughs) How is that wrong? (laughs) Fight me. Fight me. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Do I look like someone who cares about Star Wars? Fight me on it. I don't care. So I saw them in order and there it is. So, and you have the same reaction that every other person I've talked to about this does. They're like, How did you do that though? But you're doing it wrong. You're not supposed to know that he's his father, and you're not supposed to know that the, the Yoda is this. And, the, and I'm like, I, Do I look like I give a fuck about that? Look, do I look I'm like sorry. I care? I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm just thinking of like you, you just like filing your nails, like, what? What of it? <laughs> Basically, an, what I was up there it? in the movie theater just filing my nails, like, <laughs> lug of me. Give me more Jar Jar Banks. Yeah, I was like, that's cool, little alien thing in a desert. Cool. Yeah. Jar Jar, sure. Yeah, here for whatever. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so, you you do have to watch. Okay. Um, so, I will see episode now seven, eight, and nine. Seven, eight, and nine. Um, aren't, aren't a few of them on Netflix? Um, seven and eight are now on Disney Plus, I think. Okay. And okay. I'll and, get a password from a, the person. Exactly. And then nine is in the theaters right now. Um, uh-huh. I will say, like, they do a really good job buttoning it up. I just think that it's so fascinating that, like, in the same month that I watched Adam Driver do Marriage Story, uh-huh. I also watched him play Kylo, play um, the villain in Star Wars, uh-huh. and, like, do stuff with, like, a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. <laughs> Just now, I'm just, and now I really want you to see it because I want you to complete your journey. <laughs> you want me to complete my Star Wars journey? Your Star Wars journey. Um, also, I I do love that like Lupita Nyong'o has played this kind of like wise older alien in the in these three movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they handled, and I thought that they handled um, the death of Carrie Fisher very well. It was very. It was very reverential, and um, I thought that they worked it into the narrative of the final movie also. Yes. I have a question. Please call on me. Yes. Please. Yes. W- Wendy in the front. Thank you. Hi. Um, what is Solo a Star Wars story? So in addition to the like the canon, the nine canon films. Yes. The because Disney is a machine and will you know ride their properties until the wheels fall off. Sure, they there are other um, movies that are made within the Star Wars universe that are outside of those nine movies. Uh. So Solo is the movie about a young Han Solo, how he gets the Millennium Falcon and meets Lando Calrissian, who is played by Donald Glover. I don't know what any of those words mean. <laughs> But she watched all the movies. I watched them. Do you think I retained any of that information? Well, I yes. mean, I, I retain everybody's name. So it's just like, yes, I, do. I, just, I just know Got things. Got it. Okay. And then Rogue One, which is also a Star Wars movie. Rogue One is uh-huh. about, you know, so between... So right before New Hope, when they like, we got the Death Star plans. Uh-huh. Rogue One is about the people who got the Death Star plans. And that team and what happened to them. And they built the Death Star? No, they got it for the Rebellion to destroy the Death Star. Because the whole part of like of of A New Hope, of Episode 4, is that they have these plans that they need to get, uh, that Princess Leia needs to get to the Rebellion so that way they can destroy the Death Star. 
And I did not retain any <laughs> of these movies. <laughs> I don't know. Any she is looking like... at me like, I, this happened? I watched this? <laughs> I'm just, I don't understand the story of Star Wars. Only... I need to revisit the story. You, For you, me, I'm more yes. concerned with, like, I almost look at Star Wars like I do, like, the House of Windsor and, like, the royal family. <laughs> Like I, for me, I'm like. It's a lot of spectacle. Who and... were Darth Vader's parents? <laughs> and who now married who? And then Luke and Leia had a moment where they made out, but they're brother and sister, and that's what. <laughs> and like, I feel it's all and very. And Philip is cousins with Elizabeth. Very but... royal family incestuous. And he was yes. a prince of Greece, but again, <laughs> fight me. Tell me, Star Wars is not the royal family. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, when you put it that way. So, it's... am I wrong? No, fight you're me. not wrong. Fight me. Your homework is to watch. I've given you homework. Your Home... homework is to is watch. My home... Can that be homework for the year, though? Yeah, for give the me, first quarter. How about that? Give me a good long runway of time for I will that. Give because... you, I will give you the first. I'll give you the year. Then. Okay. <laughs> you, this, is your, this is your independent study project is to finish Star Wars. Okay, independent study. Thanks. It's going to be a pass-fail class. Got yes. It. Okay. <laughs> I might I, fail that class. But yeah, I, the people who I care, the people whose opinions I care about of this film, I've yeah. already talked to them and they're like already in line for... To see it a third time, good. So I think that you know it's great, it and there's a and there's a whole like there's a whole backstory of like how J.J. Abrams was involved with Force Awakens, but wasn't involved in Last Jedi, and mm-hmm. so people are, you know, there's who directed this one, J.J. Abrams. Okay. So they brought him back. Got it. Because Ryan Johnson, who directed Knives Out, he did Last Jedi, and it was very tonally different from the other two. Last Jedi was the eight? second one. Yeah, it was eight. Got yes. It. Okay. And like, there's all this shade being thrown uh, or there's all this like stuff that's being said about like one of the characters who Rose, who is this Asian woman, um, Kelly Marie Tran, who is from San Diego, who did like, lo- who, who like was on stage at Pow Pack <laughs> mm-hmm. to get her acting start. Like she, um, she had a very pronounced storyline in The Last Jedi. And then mm-hmm. she was like, it was almost like an afterthought in the third in this in uh, Skywalker. So it's interesting that people are are receiving ire about that. But I also think like there are other stories that are going to be told, probably you know on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, and this film is also like these three films also very much tie in all of the extra stuff from the Star Wars universe, like the TV shows and the animated series and all these other things. So if you're like a fan of those things, you will really like the last episode because it does kind of tie in those bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say. You don't have time for that. That's not a part of your independent study. I'm not okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'll talk to you about it when I've completed that homework. <laughs> if and when I complete that, homework. I cannot wait. <laughs> but now you know my Star Wars story. There you go. Um, all right, I want to talk a little bit about um, the shows that I saw in New York. Okay, I saw Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh huh. And then I saw Slave Play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which you also saw. Which I did see, yes. And then I saw Freestyle Love Supreme. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to talk just super briefly about all of these because because we'll maybe yep. revisit this when we do our Tony episode later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in June. And so 
Just real quick, Oklahoma, I think, was groundbreaking. It was already, it's already had its Tony season. Ali Stroker famously won the first Tony, uh, won by a disabled actor, a differently mm-hmm. abled actor. Um, and, or the first Tony in a, in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, and I will say this. I had my, like, an eyebrow raise about that win and, like, Yep. Was she winning for the right reasons? Was she winning because she had this spotlight on her as the first differently abled yeah. actor nominee? I will say that she was magic on that stage. Like, I have not seen somebody play dumb so intelligently. And I say dumb in, like, air quotes. Like... Like like a Miss Adelaide, yeah. I have mm-hmm. not seen that kind of like trope character played so intelligently since Faith Prince did Adelaide mm-hmm. in Guys and Dolls. Like it was smart. She is crystal clear. She is her voice is amazing, and you can't take your eyes off her when she's on stage because she's magnetic. Um, she just gave such a brilliant performance, and it was such a well deserved Tony. And I am. Like, totally ate crow. When I saw her perform, I was like, hands down, so deserved, beautiful. The brilliance of that show, brilliance. And uh, James unfairly and unjustly bullied me into going to see it. Uh, And I'm so glad that he did. But he's like, no, 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 Wendy, you have to see it. You have to go see it. Um, And I'm like, I've seen Oklahoma a million times with a 20-minute ballet and with this and that and whatever. Oh my God. Like this production of Oklahoma flips the whole thing on its side and they do it because they make you care about Judd. Mm. Mm. The second they turn Judd into someone who is bullied, all of a sudden the audience cares for him. And that is something I had never seen done. And the whole show, and they do it so brilliantly with like visuals and graphics and the lighting in that show, like goes to complete blackouts and it's, incredible like the sensory experience of that show was really phenomenal um there were so many standout performances in that mm-hmm. and it was such a really like everything that happens circle and square is so ensemble driven because it's such an intimate space and it was just so good it was oklahoma like i'd never seen it before um the ballet was done by one African-American, androgynous mm-hmm. woman, shaved head, modern dancer who mm-hmm. came out in a sequin dress that said, dream, baby, dream. Mm-hmm. And she tore the floor up for like 20 minutes. And for 20 minutes, you could not take your eyes off of her. She was like phenomenal and sexual and angry and aggressive and so powerful. And it was the dream ballet, like I'd never seen it done. Like the whole show was just, it was so phenomenal. That show is going to be touring. That production is going to be touring. Awesome. Um, so again, if you can see it in your city, see it, do it, please see it, <sighs> please see it. I had my doubts. I was like, it's Oklahoma. It's another Rogers and Hammerstein musical. And I listen, I'm here for Rogers and Hammerstein. I'm a sound and mu- music purist, but this show, this production, this production. Okay. I, I bought a shirt. <gasps> she bought merch. I bought a shirt. It yeah. was that good. Give me that merch. It was that good. I also saw Alvin Ailey perform mm-hmm. The Complete Revelations, which was 
phenomenal. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to now when I go home, kind of incorporating more, more ballet, more dance, more modern dance, more opera, like in, like into the rotation of in, instead of just seeing like the commercialized Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Slave Play. Yeah. Slave Play. I've had so many people have seen Slave Play and then like not been able to say anything to me about it because how do you talk about a show like that? Yeah. Without having like a four hour conversation about it. Mm-hmm. I know that the conversations around that play have really angered some people. The conversations around that play have taught people some things. Mm-hmm. They have enlightened some people. Um, I had a really interesting conversation with my mom after I saw that show because she really wanted to know what it was about. And then I had to explain a lot of it to her in in ways that were there generationally. I think there are things that yeah, just generally generationally, our parents don't always understand or grasp about interracial relationships yeah. and just race relationships in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I'm really glad I got that ticket. I'm really pissed that my ticket was thirty nine dollars. I feel like I should have paid a hundred dollars to see that show. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Would you agree? You saw the show too. I would agree. Um, I, 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 I would agree. I feel like more. I feel like it's one of those shows where it's like there are people who like more people need to see it because I want more people to have that mm-hmm. experience because it is saying it is saying things that it's saying things in a very specific way that I don't think people like. I saw it and it was a mostly white audience Mm -hmm. and it was just like, these are things that either none of you have ever heard or you've maybe heard once from Mm -hmm. your, from your partner who is a person of color Mm -hmm. who's sitting right next to you. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I, I, I would agree. Like Mm -hmm. everyone needs to see it and yeah, yeah. we'll see how it shakes out in the Tony season, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, there's so yeah. many things to say about it, but it's just it's such a larger conversation. And yeah. read the play if you can get your hands on the script. Talk to people who have seen it. It's it's worth those conversations. Yeah. That show is doing the work. Yeah, you know. Um, and it's it's I I have to say that it's quite an ensemble that they've they've it assembled. It is a really strong ensemble. Yeah. I spoke to um, one of my best good goods uh, last night about it. She is an African American actress in New York, and she adamantly was like i will not see that show mm-hmm. i do not need to see that show and i'm like you do not need to see that show <laughs> because you understand this story you yeah. live this story but there is a lot of people who who have interracial relationships who need to see that show who yeah. maybe need their partner to see that show um and and yeah and she she had expressed to me that like some of her like the the things that she had heard about the show specifically from white people were that they found it funny or they found it and I was like I didn't find anything about that show funny that's it's uh, it was hard it's it's hard it's a show that's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable and make you look at your bias and make you look at at what the stories we carry with us and it's hard it's a hard show to ingest. It's a hard show to process and it's a hard show to, to debrief after. And I get that people are having trouble debriefing it. Yeah. There you go. But I'm glad I saw it and it should have been more than $39. Yeah. I had, I thought there were some moments that were 
I was like, they really went for the laugh there. Mm. And that's like for me, cause mm-hmm. I, I definitely was like, huh? Like they they were, but it was in that way where like they're using humor to tell, to, to make a point. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just like slapsticky funny yeah, yeah. Because, for, for, for just for the laugh. Uh-huh. Like they're using the humor, they're using humor to make a point, to set up, a, to set up something that's eventually going to make you uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. I, you know, yeah, that, that was, I, cause I, it was like, I was, there were moments where I was like, Ooh, uh huh. Yeah, there's all those moments. Yeah, all of the moments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, much larger conversation. Uh, the last show that I saw in New York was Freestyle Love Supreme, um, and and my thoughts on this quite simply are that it was a really fun night, a really fun night of you know improvisational hip hop. Um, my general thought is that it was an entirely Mm-hmm. Like I've been following Freestyle of Supreme for a long time and I've seen them perform in smaller venues and like underground venues and things like that. And that's kind of where they belong, I think. And that's a venue that suits them. Yeah. I'm glad that they've been given this platform to be seen and to have their work put out there and to be recognized. Broadway is not an easy platform to achieve. So I'm glad that they're there. Um, that being said, I was sitting in an audience of entirely white people, white and Jewish people who were there to see Hamilton part two. Mm-hmm. That is my take on what it was <laughs> like. It was a really fun night, but it was an audience of white folks, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, mm, it was just, yeah. And those, I mean, that's, yeah. and that's access. That's, you know, and that's, it. Yeah, that's yeah. all that, that's all those questions about like who goes the to the privilege of Broadway, the privilege yeah. of Broadway exactly. and who goes to see theater. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was a fun night. You know, they put together a really solid 90 minutes. Uh, Thomas Kale was the guest, the Mm -hmm. featured artist who who joined the stage that night. And then the next day, it was released on all, like, the the news media circuits that he and Michelle Williams are engaged and expecting. Mm. So so that was kind of interesting to be like, oh, we just saw him last night. Hey, cool. Um, And, yeah, it it was a really good night. So that was fun. And... And that was my take on New York live performance. Yay. Yes. Okay. Real quick. Yeah. I saw it on a plane. Uh, I kind of just <laughs> want to add an addendum to this, this section. I saw it on a plane slash. I took advantage of my parents' cable and on demand services. Yes. I saw it on a plane. I saw it on my parents' cable. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I watched um, Downton Abbey, the movie. Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice. Ooh. I saw Dolomite Is My Name. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I also watched and got caught up with all of Shit's Creek. Oh, shit. Wow. Which I had... Never seen. Well, I started watching Schitt's Creek a while ago, but only was like a season or two into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got hit with a stomach virus while I was home in New York. And so yeah, I spent yeah. a good day and a half just in bed. Uh, and because of that, I was like, now's a good time to just watch all of Schitt's Creek. And so mm. I did. Yeah. So I got caught up on that. I saw the Downton Abbey movie. 
really charming. Again, I know how you feel about the stuffy whites. <laughs> I mean, I know yeah. that you enjoy a stuffy white, but you can't get on board with Downton Abbey no. or the franchise. No. I accept this about you. I honor you. Yes. I appreciate I see this. you. I, I create space this. for you. There you go. Thank you. Um, however, <laughs> that movie was a goddamn delight. <laughs> However, you're fucking wrong. <laughs> However, you're wrong. Got it. Um, it was just really well done. It was a fun addendum to a series that people loved and, you know, it was really well done. They honored all of the storylines and and it was sweet. You know, the king and queen are coming to Downton. And how do we prepare for this? <laughs> In the roaring 20s, a hundred years ago. It was lovely. It was really fun. Can you talk to me about Shit's Creek? Like... Because people tell me all the time that I would love it. It's like, why are you not watching Shit's Creek? I thought Creek? you did no, watch it. I don't watch Shit's Creek. I, I mean, what? I, I know. That surprises me. I am shooketh. Yes, people people are constantly shooketh that I do not watch Shit's Creek. And I'm not like opposed. I don't have this moral objection to Shit's Creek. Uh-huh. I'm just like, no, I just, you know, I. I kind of felt the same way about it for a really, really long time. I just didn't watch it. Yeah. Uh, and then one day, Courtney and I were working in the studio really late. And she's like, I'm just going to put on an episode of Shit's Creek. We're going to start watching this. And I was like, I don't feel like watching it. Mm-hmm. She put on an episode of it. And then I was like, okay, I'm in this now. Yeah. Um, it is smart writing. Okay. And silly, fun characters. And it's Eugene and Dan Levy. And Catherine O'Hara. Father and son wrote and created the series. Yeah. And are in the series. Catherine O'Hara can do no wrong. Yes. Ever. Mm -hmm. She is acting perfection. She's like in my top 10. Mm -hmm. She's perfect. And she is styled to the gods in this series. The whole series is. The whole series. Head to toe, costumed. No one is costumed like Catherine O'Hara in this series. Her wigs, her makeup, her costumes to filth. Mm-hmm. Every episode, different, just turning looks. Mm-hmm. Like, Drag Race has nothing on her. <laughs> yes. I'm not kidding. I don't say that in jest. Like, she's everything in the series. Um, it's just a really, really smart show with tons of heart. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for you, for someone who loves a good rom-com... Mm-hmm. I feel like you would really get in on this. Who lives in Gay Corner. Who lives in Gay Corner. Yeah. This is your shit. This is totally your jam. Okay. This is your homework. If you're giving me Star Wars, I'm giving you Shit's Creek. Well, that's good because the final season of Shit's Creek is coming it's out. It's coming so. up, so you'll be prepared yeah. for it. Um, basically, it's a story of a very privileged family. Who like loses everything. Who loses all of their money except this, this town. one town yeah. that they had purchased as like a funny haha joke. Yeah. Right? Like on a whim. Remember that one time I bought you this town for your birthday? Yeah. That's where they were displaced to um, because they own the town. They uh, they live in the motel there. And then they become these townies, but they still have this privilege that nobody else in the town has. And you know I love townie. I you love townie I, stuff. You love a townie mentality. Yeah. So, you know, there's the local diner. And then there's like the mayor and his wife. And... Um, it, there's just, it's okay. so good. Okay, okay. And then there's gay stuff in it for you. <laughs> just for me. Just for you. Um, I'm just telling you, 
get into it and you won't be mad at me about it. I promise. Okay. I okay. promise. Um, okay. Dolomite we had talked about when you watched it. Um, and we talked so much about Eddie Murphy already, but really great movie. Yeah. Very good. Really, really good. I'm glad that he's getting his recognition for that. Yeah. Um, he's a Golden Globe nominee for that. And rightfully so. Yeah. Cool. That's on Netflix for all to see. Enjoy that. And then Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice. I meant to see this when it was in the art cinema a couple months ago. Didn't. And now it was on demand. And this weekend on CNN. Um, here's the thing. Linda Ronstadt had this kind of big month. She was Kennedy Center honored. Her documentary is out. Now it's out for all the world to see. And everyone's kind of having this like renaissance of love for Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. Including myself. Mm. Add me to that column. Okay. Because. Because. Because Linda Ronstadt was in the Pirates of Penzance. Okay. With Kevin Klein. Okay. She sings her range as a soprano, as an operatic soprano, um, she is phenomenal. She was nominated for a Tony for that. So she's Tony nominated. She has like all of the jams of like the sixties and seventies, right? Like she was on stage at the Troubadour in LA, which is where she was discovered, like IE with Elton John and everyone else. There, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's single-handedly responsible for the formation of the Eagles hmm. because Don Henley and, um, Glenn Frey. Yes. Um, so Glenn Frey, Don Henley met uh, as backup musicians mm-hmm. for her band. And when they went on tour for like her very first little tour, Don Henley and Glenn Frey shared a room together. And that's how they formed the Eagles. So the two of them then left the tour to form their own groundbreaking band. And there you have it. The Eagles, So yeah. they were all of the same era, right? Linda Ronstadt then goes on to have this amazing fucking career, right? Like, turning out bops, like, for her whole damn career. Yeah, yep, yep. And then has the stones to go to her record company and say, I'm putting out an album of Spanish music. And they were like, what? She's like, look, I've made you all this fucking money. I'm doing this for me, and you're gonna deal with it. Yeah. Because everybody forgot that Linda Ronstadt was Mexican. Yeah. Her father is Mexican. Is it and song, she grew up in, Songs of My Father? Yes. Yeah. Canciones de mi padre. And so she grew up in Tucson, like 20 minutes from the border, right? So she grew up with all of these Chicano music and all of the, um, the, the Latin music of her childhood. She recorded with mariachi. That album is genius. It is so good. And... It went on to be, like, one of, like, the most uh, highly sold, like, uh, Latin albums of all time. Um, And so she broke crazy, crazy records with that album as well. Her career is just really, really astounding. And I think that we forget all of that. We forget the duet she did with Aaron Neville. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? Like, all of these things that I'm like, oh, I loved her music when I was little. And I never knew it was her. And I never connected it with her story or knew her story yeah. until now. So I love that she's kind of having this huge renaissance. Um, We're rediscovering Linda. I'm rediscovering my love for Linda Ronstadt. And there you have it. So put me in that column. There it is. That is, I saw it all on my parents' cable. Yes. There it is. <laughs> 
A plane and the cable. A plane and Long Island cable. Yeah. Um, oh, that was December. That wow. was it. Jesus. That was the end of 2019. We also came at you with two additional episodes this month. We did. With our best of 19 and our best of the decade episode. Yeah. Which we hope you enjoy. Yeah. We yeah. hope you enjoyed. We have a lot coming up in January. Yeah. Already. We know we have a whole new season of Shrill. Mm-hmm. We have the final season of Shit's Creek coming out. Joe will be all caught up by then. I guess. I he guess will. I have to be. But, of course, award season has begun, children. Yeah. So we're entering into Golden Globe season. Uh, SAG awards are happening. And very, very soon after in February, it's my Super Bowl Sunday, y'all. Yes. It's, the, the Oscars. It's the Oscars. I feel like the actual Super Bowl and the Oscars are happening a weekend apart. Is that right? Possibly. Something like that. I feel like are, they're not the same weekend, but they're very close. You know, I mean, we'll get J-Lo and Shakira, and then, you know, we'll have someone else. Exactly. We'll, we'll have J-Lo and Shakira probably again. I'm here for it. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Are you ready to approach 2020? I'm ready. Let's bitch slap this thing. Yes. Y'all, we want you to have a whole other year of of 12 new monthly cycles of art. Yes. Enjoy all of them, be it a heavy flow, a light flow. Yeah. Sync up. Sync up with us. Sync up with us. And enjoy your time of the month. Bye. Bye. <laughs>